I'm Misty Winkler here with Episode 7 of the Simply Convivial Audio Blog. This is the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschool mom. Convivial, if broken down to the Latin parts, means with life. And that's what we want for our homeschools, isn't it? Convivial is about the atmosphere of our homes and homeschools. It points us to a life lived abundantly, bursting at the seams, with all the mess and recovery that that entails. Simply, on the other hand, reminds us to put first things first and not complicate living or learning. Just do it together. Simply Convivial. We claim the label classical for our homeschool because all the great pre-modern educators remind us that education is about growing in wisdom, not increasing our earning potential. Those reminders about how to grow in wisdom have been remarkably consistent until Darwinism captured the West's imagination. Read widely, discuss, and do the right thing. We all want some variation on that theme, whatever label we choose. So let's gear up and keep our priorities straight. Let's do it. In season two, I'm going through an old series based off my first reading of the teaching classic, The Seven Laws of Teaching by John Milton Gregory. I called this series The Seven Laws of Teaching Your Own and worked through adapting his classroom examples to homeschool examples, focusing on the principles that apply to learning across the board. You can visit simplyconvivial.com audio to download a summary sheet of The Seven Laws and find each episode as they're released, as well as the original series. And now, the meat. The Seven Laws of Teaching Your Own, Law 1, The Law of the Teacher. I wrote this series back in 2011, when my oldest was eight years old. How we teach our children is part of how we interact with and love our children and make this life of learning together work. So learning how to teach is worth our time as homeschool moms, even though our situations are different from those that Gregory is addressing. The first law, the law of the teacher, states, the teacher must know that which he would teach. The author of The Seven Laws of Teaching, John Milton Gregory, begins with this admonition. That we cannot teach without knowledge seems too simple for proof. How can something come out of nothing? Or how can darkness give light? No other qualification is so fundamental and essential. According to Gregory, knowledge has four levels. First comes the faint recognition. Second comes the ability to describe in a general way. Third comes the power to readily explain, prove, and illustrate. Fourth comes feeling such a deep appreciation of a truth's deep significance and wide relations that we are compelled to act differently. It is this fourth level of knowledge that teachers should possess in order to communicate clearly and passionately. Of course, Gregory admits, this is an ideal which we may only strive to approach, yet knowing that deep love and an awareness of the connections of our subjects is the goal helps us to not be satisfied with shallow thinking and cursory instruction. Gregory writes, Truth must be clearly understood before it can be vividly felt. A teacher who knows what he is talking about, who has internalized that which he would communicate, is free. He is not slave to a textbook or a curriculum. It is from feeling and living the truth that he knows that enthusiasm spills over into his students. 
It is the excitement of felt interest that sparks all his powers of communication. He also gives what should be a startling warning to mothers. Children object to being taught by those in whom they have no confidence. Do our children have confidence in us, in our ability to teach, in our ability to keep our word and follow through with our assignments and our consequences and their work? If we lose their confidence, we lose the ability to teach. That must spur us on toward integrity and right priorities if we want to be in this for the long haul. This law, stating that teachers must know, really know, that which they are teaching, might discourage us and make homeschooling seem foolish and futile. However, it doesn't have to. We delegate as much while homeschooling as we would if we sent our children to school sometimes. If our children went to school, we would still hold them accountable to completing their work well, right? That is our primary job in homeschooling as well, not standing in front of a whiteboard as the fount of all knowledge. Indeed, the best application of this law for us is in our choice of books and materials. This law is the reason that living books are so essential. The authors that our children read are his teachers, so ensuring that they are clear, passionate, and knowledgeable teachers is vital. Gregory sets forth the following rules for teachers as applications of this first law. After each rule that I've chosen from his list, I've added a possible specific application or implication for our situations as homeschoolers. 1. Prepare for each lesson with fresh study. For us, that might be putting on a game face for the day. Review the flow and the content before beginning the day. 2. Find out and teach with analogies, relations, and illustrations. To do this, we must think through the material for ourselves so we aren't caught off guard while following a script. Rule 3. The product of clear thought is clear speech. In other words, we have to have thought through what we're going to say for it to be coherent. We shouldn't try to wing it, bluffing our children. After all, they won't be fooled. Rule 4. Never rest until real understanding is reached. Why bother making any effort at all if we won't go to the effort of seeing it through? Rule 5. Complete mastery of a few things is better than an ineffective smattering of many. It is better to reach and experience that fourth level of knowledge than to believe that level two or three is complete knowledge. That's when we produce know-it-alls. Someone who experiences that fourth level of knowledge even one or two times will know for all the other subjects that he really does not know much at all. Rule six, have a plan, a timetable for where you are going. We are steering ships. And so that means we have to know what direction we're going. Rule seven, ask and answer these questions in every lesson. What, how, why? As homeschool moms, we need to know and our students need to know. So these questions make excellent default narration prompts. Rule eight, read, think, talk, and write. These are the ways that we come to know and our children come to know. They are the tools for us all to use. Violations of the Law of the Teacher Gregory helpfully includes not only positive statements about each law, but also enumerates several common violations of the laws. He states, The true teacher will make as few errors as possible and will profit by those he does make. 
Let's look at these violations then for our profit, willing to forsake them when we come across them. Violation 1. Assuming that your own ignorance will not be detected because of the student's ignorance, so doing will lose you your student's trust and respect. Our children can sniff fakery and hypocrisy a mile away. If we don't have their trust and respect, we will not be able to teach them. And rightly so. Violation 2. Hear lessons without knowing the lesson yourself. Your own indifference, lack of preparedness, or laziness will be caught. Ouch. This violation would correspond to hearing a narration of an independent reader of a book that we haven't read. It doesn't work. How are we to know if the narration is complete or accurate? How are we to show them by example that this is actually important if we do not know the lesson that we are asking them to learn? Violation 3. Filling time with filler talk or with exercises because nothing definite is expected, planned, or known. Such laziness is a waste of everyone's time. It's better for us to send the children outside to play or to the couch to read than to assign busy work simply to fill time and feel productive. Violation 4. Talking above the student's comprehension or talking about understanding. This is the practice of a sham who conceals his own lazy ignorance with pompous pretense. Our goal for our students is for them to understand, not be overawed by us, which they won't be anyway. More likely, they will learn to tune us out if we talk too much. Violation 5. A more serious fault is that of those who, failing to find stimulation in the lesson, make it a mere framework upon which to hang some fancies of their own. I think this is an easy trap for mothers. We can always turn a situation into an illustration in a lecture on a pet peeve. Gregory tells us here to knock it off. To conclude, he writes, Thus, many teachers go to their work either partly prepared or wholly unprepared. They're like messengers without a message. They lack entirely the power and enthusiasm necessary to produce the fruits which we have a right to look for from their efforts. Let us have a message and communicate it with power and enthusiasm that our work might be fruitful. And now it's time for the Simple Sanity Saver. This season, we're going to talk about doing a homeschool audit. What is a homeschool audit? In its simplest form, it's simply a brain dump about our particular homeschool. It's a way to think through all the components, and there are probably more than you realize, and see what might be the triggers tripping us up. It's a way to evaluate our situations and see our strengths and our progress instead of simply feeling our defeats. It's a way of looking at any defeats squarely and deciding what to do about them. And the thing to do might simply be to stop expecting ourselves to be perfect and always on top of every detail. A homeschool brain dump, an audit, is a way to work through the mess of our emotional or even hormonal responses and think more straightforwardly and honestly and bravely about what's actually working and what's not. Be brave. Do a homeschool audit. You might be surprised at the results. To work through your own homeschool audit with all the prompts and some practical processing and application ideas, go to simplyconvivial.com slash audio to download the free homeschool audit guide. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. If you enjoy this podcast, 
please leave a rating and review on iTunes. This helps the iTunes algorithm know that it should share it with others looking for homeschool inspiration. And if you haven't already, head on over to simplyconvivial.com slash audio for links to the latest episodes, the homeschool audit download, and to sign up to get the show notes by email every week. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat. Repent.